Hi guys, and welcome to episode four of Open Conversations. Thank you for making it this far. Um, so today, on today's episode, we have Maureen, and Maureen is a customer experience expert. Uh, she has her own consultancy business, which is doing pretty well. I mean, I love what they do. Um, you should definitely check it out. But on today's episode, we talked about lots of things in Ghana. We talked about customer experience. You know, we talked about raising a 15-year-old kid. We talked about marriage. Yeah, talked about a lot of things. Um, it's a pretty good episode. I hope you enjoy it and relax and sit back. Okay, great. So we're live. Okay, so how's your morning going? Um, my morning. My morning is pretty good. I mean, no complaints. Woke up tired as usual. <laughs> every morning is like that i mean unless it's the weekend then i can actually rest but, yeah why do you think you're like waking up tired are you stressed are you sleeping late um i usually do sleep late so like i sleep late like let's see like 12 30 ish and then i wake up and the funny thing is i i sleep a lot like i sleep to like i wake up around 7 30 eight o'clock fully awake but mm. yet i'm not rested i don't feel rest i just feel like i just slept right and i don't think it's maybe maybe more stress but even before that it was like that i don't know why well i know i was talking to a friend about this um a couple of months ago like before the lockdown and he was saying like he felt the same way for a long time and then he went to the doctor um, I guess a sleep expert or something. And then he found out that he had sleep apnea. So oh. he wasn't really getting the right amount of oxygen um, while he was asleep. And that was affecting the quality of his sleep because he couldn't get into like a deep sleep. Um, so yeah, I'm not saying you have sleep apnea. <laughs> Just saying there could be a number of other factors that you might want to explore. That's true. So the thing is like, so I have a Fitbit, right? So I use mm -hmm. that to monitor my sleep and it's pretty good because actually tells me like how long I've been sleeping, how many times I'm tossing and turning. So mm -hmm. yeah, so I use that to track my sleep. I mean, and it tells me, hey, you're getting good sleep. So how come when I wake up, I still feel tired? I don't know why. Yeah. But, yeah. but I'll figure it out. Maybe I need to change environments because I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. How was your morning? Ah, uh, same, I guess, as usual. Well, since the lockdown, um, there's always the waking up, making sure that my son is fine, getting breakfast together, working out, and then checking my emails. You know, there's a routine to it. So um, it's, been, it's been good so far, yeah, in terms of productivity and getting stuff done. Cool. And so you're not affected by, you know, going outside, anything like that? Everything is still going on well? Not so much, you know, because obviously I worked from home before the lockdown, so it hasn't really affected work. Um, just, I mean, the only difference is that I'm not taking meetings, in-person meetings. It's all like online meetings or phone meetings or Zoom meetings yeah. or whatever. Um, and then obviously my son's at home because since the lockdown or before the lockdown, they canceled school. So that's been like the main thing making sure that he's engaged and still learning and stuff like that so right before this call i had to like <laughs> find like tests and quizzes online for him to do wow. today um uh just so that you know his brain is still engaged because it's so easy at that age to just kind of like forget about everything you've been studying anyways that's true that's um, true just challenge him a bit but other than that it's been pretty much the same thing i'm a homebody anyway so i'm not trying to be out <laughs> every single day <laughs> That's true. So I remember we were having a conversation one time about how Ghana is when it comes to like meetings, because people want to always have a meeting in person when you could just like, hey, just like let's meet online and just discuss what we want to discuss. Like, what is it because we're like personal, like we like personal touch and personal seeing somebody in person, or is it something else? So I mean, I spent a lot of last year thinking about this, um, just in terms of. Obviously, because I, I deal with customer experience, how um, I could deliver an experience that would meet the expectations of my customers. And there's different types of experiences that you deliver based on what your mm -hmm. customer needs. And I think in 
Ghana and within this environment, we like personalized interactions, ir irrespective of whether it's uh, business or personal. We want, uh, my clients want to know that I'm the one that they're dealing with. So even when I hired my assistant, and sometimes I would want my assistant to go and take meetings for me, the client would be like, no, I want Maureen to come and take the meeting. And <laughs> My assistant is going to do the exact same thing. They know exactly what I'm going to talk about. They know exactly what to say and everything, but they really want to deal with this one-on-one -on -one in-person interaction. Right. Um, for me, the challenge is I don't feel like it's always the most productive because I'm going to have to sit in traffic for 90 minutes to two hours. That, uh, yeah. that takes out of my day. And then um, I just feel like maybe there needs to be a shift and maybe this lockdown is really where that shift is going to happen because literally two weeks before the lockdown, I spent going back and forth with a client because I put myself in isolation before they announced the lockdown. I was like, yes, you know what? The cases are going up. I'm not going out. I'm not even trying to risk it. All, and I yep. had a client that literally just got back from the States and he was insisting on an in-person meeting and it took two weeks for us to have a phone meeting. I just was not going to back down. <laughs> I sent him all the information he needed. I was like, listen, it's not necessary. And then finally, once they announced the lockdown, he was like, okay, cool, let's have a phone meeting. And it was done in 20 minutes. Wow, look at that. Can you imagine? <laughs> look at that. Imagine all the time you'd have wasted in traffic and all that when you could have just had a meeting online for 20 minutes and get everything. Exactly. Done. So I'm just hoping that it does change people's mindset towards sitting in traffic to go to a meeting. Um, I don't know how soon that will be, but like maybe it'll like spark something in people's minds. Like we don't need to have this meeting, waste money, waste time, because time literally is money. It is, and I'm always say I'm always confused of what people don't want to use. Like right now, we're all being online with Zoom meetings and everything. Why people just don't do that as a normal? Like why do you have to actually have a meeting in person when you can just like just have a meeting online? I don't want to drive through traffic just to meet you. No I mean, you're even like taking it too far because we could literally have a meeting on WhatsApp, WhatsApp <laughs> video, WhatsApp calls, everything. Like, it's just, I think people are just set in their ways. Um, and then it also depends on like the type of business. Because I think that, well, maybe not even the type of business, but the type of business owner, like the leadership mm -hmm. of a business, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're like more technological, technologically advanced where you're using different like software and um, all these different options that are available to you, then it's not a big deal to you to have a Zoom meeting. But if you're running a business and, you know, you're still writing out paper receipts or you're not even issuing mm, receipts, wow. do you really expect this business leader or business owner to jump on a Zoom meeting? <laughs> I don't know about all of that. Um, so, I mean, we just have to manage our expectations and then look at, each individual as they are right um yeah that's basically what i would do or what i'm doing yeah but you know that like when you have your meetings with your clients do you ever like recommend that hey you know what it'd be much better if you actually went digital like you know use technology more for your business to become more efficient like do you ever like mm -hmm. pitch that to them yeah i mean i definitely do that more in terms of uh, the customer relationship management the crm software um, and, and also just in points of sale, right? So, um, so, I mean, making a re recommendation is one thing and then kind of following it through and making sure that they have the people that have the competencies to use the, uh, those kind of digital platforms or tools is another thing, right? Um, so with the CRM, which is one of the, like the top tools that I always try and get them to go digital with, yeah. um, the problem becomes, the challenge becomes the, who is going to use the CRM on a day-to-day -day basis. And maybe the, the owner might understand the benefit of it, but will their, um, cashier or their salesperson or their, like, I don't know, all these different roles be able to utilize the tool effectively and efficiently. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that becomes the challenge. So it, then it goes into like the organizational structure, how they're hiring, what competencies they're hiring for. It just gets so complicated. Oh, wow. um, and I'm also limited in the scope and like how much I can interfere in the operations of a business. So, I mean, I do make my recommendations and then the, the leaders or the owners that are interested in it, we go through it. I do training on it, but there's only so much I can do. Yeah. Even with customer service, I'm always surprised. Like, it would be so much better if they actually had like, you know, better training for their employees and just make sure they're more efficient. Because I mean, if your business is efficient, you get more customers, you're making more money, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's an investment. Um, 
I've been doing this for like three years now. And honestly, it's, it's like, there's two ways to tackle it from like the bottom up and the top down. Um, Cause you can tackle it. And in the terms of providing the training to the employees that need it, but then if it's not being enforced from the top, right. If it's not being monitored from the top, yeah. then it kind of falls apart. So I can go in and do a training and then the manager is not really holding the employees accountable based on the content that they learned and kind of following through with the training material and the skills and the tools that they should use. And so the employees are just like, well, no one really cares. So let me just go back to what I'm doing. Right. And then um, also with employees, like with the training, it's never effective if it's just or impactful if it's just once. You know, it has to be consistent mm-hmm. over time. So you can see the improvement can see how each business is going to be different. They're going to have different challenges. So then you can start to address those challenges as time goes on. Like a simple example is going into a business and like a coffee shop top of the morning and Mm -hmm. everyone is like trying to like have their cup of coffee and a pastry and they just want to get it and go. And then the the salesperson is like, I don't have change. (laughs) And this infuriates me like it makes me so angry because i'm like what am i supposed to do if you don't have change exactly um but then it's such a simple solution just have floating cash in your cash drawer you know like every morning you should have at least like 20 to 50 cds broken up to smaller denominations so you can give your customers change rather than putting the stress on the customer to figure out how they can get their change back you know but if you don't have these systems in place Customer service training is just like one of many things that need to be addressed. You know, it's just That's like true. the frontline problem that is very like the symptoms are very clear, but then like there's other issues that contribute to that illness or that problem within the business. Hmm. What, so what do you think the probably underlining problem is? Is that is the way we were, we came up as far as learning how to do businesses? Because I don't think that, you know, for instance, if you go to the States, for instance, if you go to like, you're working at a, a convenience store, for instance, they'll teach you or tell you how to go through this process mm-hmm. one by one. But in Ghana, it's almost like, here's your job, here's your responsibilities, go do it. There's no like actual training. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yeah. it's, it's just by heart, I guess. Is, yeah. is, is that our problem? We just don't do training enough or we just don't care? Um, I, I don't think it's that we don't care. I think like for every business, there should be a structure when it comes to the procedures that they're do they're like actually carrying out within the business, right? So when the when you go into well, there isn't enough training. That's one of the problems. But then it's also about um, documenting these procedures. So if you mm-hmm. were go, to go into a retail business in the states or in the west somewhere in a developed country, they would have a procedure manual, and yeah. then there would be like an orientation. Okay, this is what your role is. This is what is expected of you. But we're going to show you what we need you to do on a daily basis so that you mm-hmm. can do your job effectively over here they don't do that so much they might have one training in the beginning and then maybe some on the job training training in inverted commas because it's more <laughs> just like you did this wrong do it this way this time you know but it, there's nothing to refer to you know so i mean initially when i started like working in the customer service field i wasn't really focused on standard standardizing procedures within a business but i realized that I could go in and do a training and provide a guide, but there's no reference that these Mm. employees had to turn to if the manager wasn't there. And what happens when there's no reference is people start to micromanage, Yeah, you know? So this micromanaging culture is part, part of the problem is that there's no documentation or reference for the employees to refer to. They turn to the manager to provide direction every single time something happens, you know? And then it's just like a vicious cycle. Yeah, I've I've been in like stores where where you, I go and ask a question and say, oh, our manager is not in, so can mm-hmm. you come back later? Like I've mm-hmm. had so many stories of that. And I'm always wondering, yeah. like, what is your point there if you can't even help me because your manager is not there? Yeah, and I mean it pains me because think about the number of customers and the amount of money that's walking out the door just because the employee is not equipped with the knowledge that they need to be able to answer that question or meet that you know challenge that the customer has presented in front of them. So. I mean, it's, I, I feel bad for employees, but I also think business owners need to sit up and think about how they're running their businesses, you know? Yeah. So, um, so let's move on. Let's talk about just Ghana in general. I know that you came back. When did you come back to Ghana again? Just for people to know. I came back in 2015. 2015. And you came back from Canada, right? Yeah, I came back from Canada. Okay. So I will, I'm always telling the story of how, I, when I left to the U.S., like in, was it 2006 or something? 
how people were saying that you may face culture shock or something, and I didn't mm -hmm. face it. But I know when I came back to Ghana in 2012, I definitely faced culture shock. It was kind of jarring for me. I don't know why. But <laughs> what was your experience? Like when you came back, like, was it different? Like, did you have expectations that were met or just like you just came back with an open mind and just went straight to it? Well, I'll say that you came back in 2012 at one of the worst times to come back to Ghana because I was in That's Ghana in 2012 That's and true. like oh my god everything was all over the place i remember the like the power outages oh, that was internet. oh my goodness it was horrible um because i was here for a year in 2012 working um but yeah i mean i didn't really experience the culture shock moving to canada because i i had only been in ghana for 10 years so i okay. spent like my primary childhood outside of Ghana and then I came for 10 years and then I moved to Canada. Um, so it wasn't so, I mean, the weather was the biggest thing, but other than mm -hmm. that, it was pretty fine. And I feel like in Canada, I mean, I was in Ontario, so it's like pretty diverse, diverse there as well. So you can yeah. you have your pockets of your Ghanaians and like everything. And I enjoyed that. But moving back, I think what prepared me was that one year in 2012 that I was in Ghana because nothing could have been worse than that. Right, I understand. <laughs> it, was, it, was just, it was horrible. It was horrible in 2012. So I think it prepared my expectations. Um, I, I understood what it felt like or what the process was like in terms of um, looking for a job in Ghana. Um, I had made like different connections and like I, like net, I had built my network over the time that I was here in 2012. So moving back in 2015 was more, I had more realistic ex expectations of what it would be like coming into, mm -hmm. coming back to Ghana and looking for a job and getting adjusted and stuff like that. So it wasn't too bad. Um, uh, what would I say was the biggest challenge? Um, I think for me, the biggest challenge was, you know, moving from being in a space where I basically did everything by myself and I didn't have to like answer to anyone yeah. and then coming back home and then you're living with your parents and they're like, where are you going? What are you doing? <laughs> and then you're just like really like waking up in the morning sure. and then the parent comes in and they ask me, what's your plan today? And I'm just like, can I just sleep, you know? Um, so that took a while, but that was probably the biggest challenge. Yeah. Okay, and what was life like when you came back, like as far as social life? Like, what was that like? I was fortunate. Um, I, a lot of my friends in high school in Ghana had also moved back, set up businesses, were here working. So I already had like a core group of friends that I was socializing with or I could socialize with. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, I think it wasn't too bad. I, I think the only thing that was like, you know, it was just kind of exhausting was that like people were just kind of socializing in the same ways. Like I was used to them, like more like going to people's houses, like friends houses, having mm -hmm. people over more laid back kinds of ways to socialize. But then I felt that over here it was more like going to the club, going to the restaurant, like over and over and over again, you know, and I miss like other options in terms of socializing. Cause sometimes you want to just be able to sit down and talk to someone and have good conversation without having to shout you know, like over loud music or something like that. Um, so I miss that about socializing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always saying that I'm, I'm always saying that I'm so sick of going outside where I have to go to a club or a restaurant or a cafe. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how come we don't do like house get together? Like I go, go hang out at your place and we have a conversation, you know, play a house game, something like that. But we don't do that mm -hmm. as often. We're so mm -hmm. used to just like being outside. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, well, people are doing it more, which I love to see. Um, I mean, like with Johnny Stone's game nights and stuff like that. Like, I enjoy all of that. I've never actually been, but I love seeing it. And I think the only reason why I haven't been is because I like staying in my house. Uh. But, <laughs> um, but I do have like game nights with like some of my friends at their places. So like every three months or so, we'll have like a game night or something like that. And I can do every three months. I can't do every week. But oh yeah, I think, stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think people are trying to like also explore other options um in terms of socializing and the way that they interact, which is great. Um the only I think the only challenge also is uh well one of the challenges that I see is that there's like different age groups mm -hmm. um yeah. that I've noticed. So like sometimes there's like a younger age group that's doing those kind of things and then you almost feel like you might not be able to connect with them and then you want to find out what your age group is doing and I'm not saying this is a maturity thing but I just think that like-minded people kind of thing you know 
Yeah, I, I've I, been I, in situations where I'm just like, okay, I can't really contribute to this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, that's my current dilemma because most of the places that I go hang out with, I'm seeing way more younger demographics, and I'm like, I don't think I can stay here, or I don't think I can mm. keep coming here because it's just too young for me. And the conversations mm. that they have is like, it's not my level. Like, I, I don't yeah. want to talk about. <laughs> Instagram or social media is when right. I talk about other things that are happening in life, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, so now I'm trying to find my age group and that's tough to find. I'm like, okay, I want to find my age group that's fun and not too serious. Mm-hmm. We, can have, we, can, we can have serious conversations and also have fun conversations, but finding that balance is always hard for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember like uh, maybe like three, two or three years ago, a friend of mine actually started doing this thing where when he would have like a get together at his place, he would ask you to bring one person, but Mm -hmm. then it was based on the premise that you understood the kind of circle that it was. So if you were bringing Mm -hmm. one person, it would be a person that you would think would kind of gel with other people within that circle. Um, Yeah. And I felt like that worked because as time went on, like the group got bigger and bigger and people like kind of made other like, um, friendships and other connections were made and stuff like that so that seemed to work but i haven't seen a lot of people do that over here yeah that's true i'm always saying that people i, I don't know maybe maybe you've seen it but it seems that here that people love to like just gel in their social circles and not really grow mm-hmm. out of it like if they, don't, yeah. they don't mingle with each other just like i'm in my circle here i don't see the point of you know talking to strangers outside my circle yeah, I mean, I've seen that for sure. I think it's there's a, a very clicky environment that yeah, we live in. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. I think um, I just never bought into it. So I always have like different circles to tap into. And I think it's refreshing because if you're really with the same group of people all the time, like are you really getting new experiences and new um, opinions and new inputs and like all of that? Like sometimes you want to like, something different so i have different circles of friends that i interact with and then i have like my my core circle of friends that i consistently interact with yeah exactly i mean it's really bad because i'm always asking myself how come the tech people are not hanging out with the art people or why the art people hanging out with the business people and it's like everybody just like yeah i'm in my clique i always talk to my own friends Never it's all like-minded people, so. <laughs> ah, but but it's so much better when you actually go outside your circle. Then you can actually get new experiences. Because I love like talking to everybody in every different circle because I get so mm-hmm. much experience and so much new uh, perspective, and it's always interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely okay. So one thing I did like. I think two years, well, two years ago, I was going through stuff. Okay, so I was trying different <laughs> things, and one thing I used to do was I would go out by myself. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. It made me realize that when you're with a group of people, it's harder to meet new people because mm. it's almost like you're you're sheltering yourself or preventing someone new to come and interact with you. So once I started going out by myself, then I would meet like random people. Like I met so many random people during that period just because I was by myself and I was kind of floating in between groups and like talking to different people, meeting different people, but I I feel like that's a good way to to meet different people in in Accra for sure yeah for sure like yeah because I know I'm I'm well I'm naturally a loner so I like to go to different places by myself to see what's Mm -hmm. happening here and there so yeah you do meet like different interesting people around yeah but yeah um so I've been having lots of conversations about this I think you have some stories that you need to tell because I've been asking about the dating culture in Ghana oh lord (laughs) yeah it's I'm I'm really really fascinated by it like I'm always confused like this is interesting like I don't know what's happening but maybe people don't see it but it's very unique I guess you can say but Mm -hmm. you you have like interesting stories because all the negative stories I've heard are from girls about guys that's all right. I know about. and I mean I've heard some other stories on the other side but majority of the stories I've heard is like guys behaving badly ah <sighs> where do I even start I mean oh, there's God. so many <laughs> I think okay so I it's obviously like such a sensitive I find it's kind of sensitive like the whole dating stories kind of thing because you don't want to like air someone out and you don't want to make someone look bad and I think for me what I've realized is that people well, people have different expectations when it comes to dating. And for me, my expectations might be different from what I've been exposed to or what I've encountered within my, during my time in Accra. And I think 
when going into any kind of dating um, experience, I try to be transparent, mm -hmm. uh, be honest, and be authentic. But yeah. you don't always get that back, you know? So there's been times where, I mean, gone on a date and, you know, like the guy pretends to be a certain way. And then after a while, you realize that he was just like, literally, can I swear? Bullshitting. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> um, so you, you just feel like you've wasted your time. And honestly, I'm the kind of person that doesn't sit there and like dwell on things. Like if it's just been a waste of my time, I'm going to block it out. So I, I won't even remember it. Yeah. And um, I'll give you a, okay, so I'll give you a typical example. There was this guy that I met out. I was with friends. He knew some of my friends and he kept coming to my table to try and talk to me, blah, blah, blah. But I just wasn't really that interested. My friend was like, oh, no, no, he's a nice guy, you know, whatever. Like he keeps asking for your number. So maybe just give it to him and then he'll just go away kind of thing. Okay. So I gave it to him and he messaged me a few times. Like he actually messaged me like the next day asking to go on a date. Okay. And I think I was kind of busy that week or something. I can't remember, but I just couldn't go on a date that week. So he kept asking, asking, asking. And finally, I was like, okay, we can go for dinner or whatever. So he sets up the details, which was good because that's another thing I realized. Like great. people ask you on a date and then expect you to plan it. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> like, so what do you want to do? I'm like, you asked me on a date. Why are you asking me what I want to do? <laughs> um, but yeah, so he planned what the restaurant, everything. And then um, I remember like the day before he said he wasn't, you know, I think it was the day before he said he wasn't feeling that good. So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, if you want to reschedule, like let's just reschedule. It's not that big a deal. And he was like, no, no, no. Cause he doesn't, he knows that if I cancel, he doesn't know when he's going to have a, another day with me. Okay. So I was like, well, I mean, if you're not feeling well, like that's a really a valid reason to reschedule a date, but yeah. sure. If you insist. So the next day I checked on him and he was like, yeah, he's still not feeling that good, but he doesn't want to cancel the dates. And at this oh. point, I'm even like uncomfortable because yeah. like, do I even really want to go on a date with someone that's not feeling good? Like I wouldn't want to go on a date if I'm not feeling good. Yep, makes so sense. yeah, so the date happens. He shows up like 30 minutes late. Oh, no. Yeah, first red flag. Uh, <laughs> shows up 30 minutes late. And then when he shows up, like he's visibly sick. Oh, like no. I could tell how uncomfortable he was. Like he didn't even have an appetite to have like dinner. Like he was, he was trying to drink as well. And it's just like, it was just not the greatest sweet. And then I remember like at some point he asked me a question. I can't remember what it was. He was like, Oh yeah. So he was like, what do you feel like is like your great, like something like what's your greatest flaw? What is something that you struggle with in relationships? And I think I, I told him, I can't remember what I told him, but I remember his answer. <laughs> I remember his response. His response was, um, he had, he struggles with communication, right? So he uh -oh. said he felt like the kind of person that when something is upsetting him or whatever, he's not even going to have a discussion about it. He's just going to go and do his own thing. And the reason why I remember it is because after that date, I called, I messaged him or called him the next day to check on him to see how he was feeling. Yeah. And Basically, his phone wasn't working. Like, nothing. It wasn't connecting. Nothing. You know, like, I messaged him. My, my messages weren't going through. So, me, I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, so, I didn't hear from him for, like, two months. Like, wow. nothing for two months. And then, all of a sudden, he sends me a message. Um, hey, how are you doing? I just wanted to check on you. I'm like, really? Is that where you're going to start from? Like, not from, oh, you haven't heard from me <laughs> for two yeah, months. Yeah, two months. This is what happened. And he's just like, oh, yeah, I just kind of, like, lost my phone. I'm like, you lost your phone for two months. Yeah, right, whatever. What? And then he proceeds to ask for another date. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, I literally said, are you crazy? Like, is everything okay up there? Like, you don't approach someone like that. So, anyways, there was never a second date. But that's just, like, one of the many examples of how dating here is just, like, very crazy sometimes. Oh I don't God. get it. Yeah, I'm like cringing right now because of it's all wild. That. It's wild. It's wild. It's, it's wild. So it's the wild. war zone out there, man. <laughs> it's a war zone. Like it's funny. People keep sharing stories like on social media and stuff, and I'm always like so cringing all the time. Like I right. think at this point in time, I'm kind of jaded, like to the point where I don't think I can date in a crowd. To be honest. Mm. I've heard that a lot, and honestly, I'm I'm guilty of saying that as well, but. Um, 
I just, I feel like when you start saying that and you start believing that you're never gonna, you're always going to have the same experiences, you know, cause you're shutting mm. yourself off. And I mean, people can tell when you're not open to it. Right. So yeah. I try to control or like stop myself when I start thinking or feeling that way, just um, because it's like, it's not the same people in Accra every single day for the rest of our lives. People are going to come, people are going to go, you're going to meet different people and stuff. And I try, I just believe that you should be open to whatever experiences come your way, you know, like, and definitely not take everything so personally. Um, Because like, it's such a small, it's like a small city, but it's a big city as well. Like you're going to be bumping into these people anyway. So if you start taking things so personally and just shutting yourself off, you're kind of like doing a disservice to yourself as well. Yeah, true. I mean, you're totally right about that, or shutting yourself out. Like, I'm open, but I'm always, like, I guess in the back of my mind, I'm cautious in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, just be careful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because people don't, are not really open. Like, for instance, like, back to social media, people like to, like, sh- have this type of character that they build on social media. Mm-hmm. So you're not really sure if this person is authentic in real life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're always like, hmm, this person like this, or they just like this online. Right. I mean, and it's also like weird because sometimes you just meet people and it's always going to be a relationship that's on social media. It's never going to be something that translates into like an in-person interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that is pe- because people hide behind social media, you know. Um, it's so easy to say so many things when you're on your phone and, or on your laptop, but is it as easy to say those things in person mm-hmm. when someone's yeah. looking directly at you? Um, yeah. Yeah, this is why. Yeah, this is why I I love in person conversations than Mm -hmm. like online. I just I am really more of a one to one, face to face, like real conversation guy than actually online. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think like I think this next generation coming up are so used to typing on screens and not having Mm -hmm. actual conversations that I don't think they can actually relate to each other when real life. Yeah. Um, well, it might not, it might just be different kinds of interactions, you know, like, Mm. I feel like, yeah, I just think when you think about like our parents and how they used to interact with each other, like literally last week I I went outside into my compound around like five, 6 PM. And I was like, I just decided to sit outside and enjoy the breeze. And I, Mm -hmm. it just kind of triggered a memory like of my mom always sitting outside between five and 6 PM with my neighbor, you know, Mm. like my neighbor from two doors down and she would my neighbor would walk down or my mom would walk up to her house and they would have like an hour or two sitting outside having conversation and I feel like they did that every single evening like clockwork you know my neighbor would even walk with her dog and the dogs would play but that was their thing that's how they interacted right and they were consistent about it but like I think now the consistency is like not as much like not as not there as much as it used to be yeah. and people feel like because they're interacting online they're still engaging but is it really engaging in the same way that's true i, I you're right because i remember when i was younger we had neighbors like neighbors where you can actually go to the house talk to mm-hmm. them have a conversation like that's i think that's lost today people don't yeah really, it definitely so, is yeah it's kind of sad because we don't because I'm just thinking to myself, do I really know my neighbors? And I realized I, right. don't, I don't really know my neighbors. I haven't had a conversation with them, nothing. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. Like, I'm fortunate because I live in my mom's house and we've had this house for more than 30 years, right? So, and luckily, other than one neighbor, all the neighbor, neighbors are the same, it's the same families. So it's just that the kids have grown up. So I know like the neighbor, the people on my street. Mm. And like, after I had my son, they know my son now. So like, if he does anything and they, <laughs> they see him, they're going to come and snitch. So exactly. I'm very fortunate of that. Like, and I remember like last year at some point, there was like a series of um, break-ins and like my neighbor messaged me. Cause he knows that like, obviously it's my son and I here. He mm-hmm. wanted us to be careful. He's like, he, he actually saw me at the gate and he's like, you know, you need to be really careful. If there's anything, let me know kind of thing. And I was just like thinking that's not common nowadays in our crowd. Yeah. You know, like not a yeah. lot of people know who they live next to, or if there's an emergency, can they rely on their neighbor or whatever? And I'm just like, so fortunate for that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, are, does anybody even do neighborhood watch on the, maybe unless it's like a gated community but like mm-hmm. just in general i don't think we do that neighborhood watch or anything like that yeah we still do it in our neighborhood though yeah. so it's not too bad like if there's like consistent break-ins or they notice that there's certain things going on then they'll do like a watch for a while 
just to make sure. I remember like once I was sitting in my friend's car outside my house and like uh, a patrol car actually stopped and was like knocked on the window and was like, do you live in this house? You know, like just to make sure that it wasn't someone just like stalling, sitting outside. So I appreciate that about the neighborhood, but yeah, it's not common. Yeah, it's not common anymore, definitely. Oh, how old is your son now anyway? He's 15. 15. What is it like raising a 15-year-old? I'm just wondering. <sighs> I think my experience, well, I'm, I'm sure I'm not like, the, I wasn't the first teen mom, but obviously because we're not that far off in age, like I'm 32 and he's 15, um, there's more that we can that talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we're experiencing together. But then the challenge is because I, like, I'm a young mom, it's also just like, you know, making sure that he understands that like I'm his mom, can't be disrespectful, mm-hmm. you know, balancing between a friend and a mother. And that's taken a while to get to. But I mean, I enjoy it because sometimes I don't want to go out with my friends. I just want to go chill somewhere at the beach and I take my son with me and we have a good time, you know? Perfect. So I still have those. I, like, I, I can still get up and do that and we can have conversation or we'll go for dinner or we'll go for lunch or we'll do different things together. Um, so that's, that's for me, what's been the, the benefits and um, yeah, the benefits and it's been rewarding in life having to navigate those things together. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's a different experience. I feel like my aunts and uncles don't understand it because their kids are much younger. Uh-huh. Um, so they're just like, oh, you're always going to the beach with your son. Why are you always doing that? I'm like, who am I supposed to go with? Exactly. <laughs> um, but I enjoy it. I mean, it's ups and downs. There's balancing work as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, running a business by yourself as well is, can be very challenging and stressful. True. And sometimes True. he sees that. But it's great having him see the ups and downs of like building a business from the ground up as well. So sometimes he comes with me for like my workshops and helps me set up. And then he also sees the rewards of all the work that we're putting into it as well. That's good. Yeah. So like what's his like life like as far as, you know, are you you like, I guess, the helicopter mom where you're like hovering or what everything he does? Or you just like kind of standoffish, like let him experience what he wants to experience? I'm definitely a helicopter mom. <laughs> I'm trying to work on that. <laughs> I'm, but I'm definitely a helicopter mom. I think part of, like, just to be brutally honest, like, as a single parent, you're always scared that, you know, you, you have this fear that your child might not, like, you don't want anything, you don't want your child to fail in life, you know? Yeah. And when it's one par- parent as opposed to two parents, like, there's more pressure on you to make sure that your child is successful in life. So that's where, that's the genesis of me being a helicopter mom. I'm always, like, trying to make sure that he's doing things in a way that he's going to be successful in life. Cause I don't want him to fail in life. Um, and then I do see sometimes that like, I have to take a step back and let him make the mistakes that he needs to make for him to learn, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's really how, like I would say my parenting <laughs> skills are how I'm parenting right now. And obviously he's at the stage where he wants to be more independent and doing things by himself. So I have to step back and let him do things by himself yeah. and learn things by himself. Yeah. Do you monitor his social media pages or are you? Are you uh, yes. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have to. I feel like it's such different times now. Like even as adults, like look at what we see on Twitter. There's so much stuff. <laughs> so much There's stuff. so much stuff that I do not want to see on Twitter. So imagine like a 16 year old that's so impressionable mm-hmm. and he has access to all of this stuff just at the like the tips of his fingertips. I have to monitor that. Like I also like think it's very important to talk to your kids about the terrors of the internet. Like it's not yeah. just oh, every YouTube and watching people dance and sing and whatever. You know, there's sexual predators on the internet. True. And I had to like literally sit my son down and be like, listen, that person, that picture might look like a kid, but it might be like a 50-year-old, 60-year-old man sitting in his bedroom touching himself while he's having a conversation with you. And you need to be careful of that. So I do monitor like how much he's online, what he's doing online. And I am like FBI, I'll find everything. So there's been times that he's set up accounts and thought I didn't know about it. I know about it. I deactivated it. But it's just because I want to protect him. Like I want him to know that, you know, like everything has the the benefits or the, the disadvantages and the benefits of it and whatever you're using you have to use it to your advantage or your benefit, you know? Um, it's great to have fun. It's, it's good to talk to your friends and whatever, but like you have to be conscious of what you're doing online. 
Yeah, true. I don't think, um, even think growing up, my parents, like, I was always like the internet guy. Like, I knew mm. all technology stuff, and nobody ever warned me about the dangers of the internet. Like, mm -hmm. what's happening, uh, that people can be fake, you can be duped, mm -hmm. you can be scammed online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think coming up, I don't think this generation is really being taught about the dangers. Like, you, who to actually associate on Snapchat or Twitter. Mm -hmm. Like, people are just kind of, it's just free range out there. And it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like more schools should have like tech people go and talk about like digital footprints and what you're putting online and how that can like literally be on there for forever. Yeah. Um, just to kids, like to let them know that, yeah, you know, like, yeah, you want to be on YouTube and have, record a video about this and record a video about that. But like 10 years from now, if that video is still online, would you be happy about it? And the thing about kids is, they don't think that far off into the future. Like no. kids think day to day. Like my, kid, my son has probably forgotten something that he learned yesterday or we spoke about yesterday. Like they literally just live day to day. So they are not really thinking about the repercussions of what they're doing online. They're having all these conversations, posting all these pictures, you know, and they think it's fine. It's fun, whatever. Until like you literally get to the point where you've done something and you cannot do it, you know, and it's there just haunting you for like however long. But it's important that parents have those conversations with their kids. Because for me, like, at 14, 15, 13, I wasn't even on the internet. I don't think mm -hmm. I was on the internet. No, I think we I was were. reading books. And were we on the internet? No, we weren't. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, like, we were just, like, playing, reading yeah. books, talking about movies and music. And I remember, like, Atlantis Radio we used yeah. to have this really great show at 6 p.m. and I always wanted to listen to that, um, that show, like all the new music and stuff like that. But now it's like so many different things, tablets, there's like laptops, like there's so many things that they can use to distract themselves. And it's important that we like talk to our kids realistically, not just, oh, don't, don't go on the internet. It's, there's mm -hmm. some dangerous stuff on there, but like literally tell them this is what could happen. You know, like these are the things you're exposing yourself to and this is how it can affect you 10 years from now or five years from now or whatever. Or even when you're submitting your university application. Yeah, you know? even jobs. Um, yeah, jobs. I was literally, I had a webinar like two weeks ago with uh, people that are like job seekers on giving tips about interview, interviews and job interviews and stuff like that. And someone asked me, is it, is it true that some businesses check your social media handles? And I was like, yeah, they do. So you have to really be careful about like what you're talking about and what you're putting on there. Um, and don't even like, don't play into like Twitter is crazy because I love Twitter and I have a very love hate relationship with Twitter. It's so yes. easy to get sucked into very useless conversation on there. That's very true. You know? Same here. Same here. <laughs> like I have so, a love hate. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I told the person. I was like, you have to be careful what you're putting online. Um, and that whatever you're putting, you can like stand behind it at this point. Because if you're looking for a job and you're worried about people checking your social media profiles, then I don't know, maybe something in the back of your head is telling you that you shouldn't be putting those things online. Um, but yeah. we need to like start developing that habit with our kids young, at a younger age than once they start looking for jobs or once they start applying for university. Yeah, true. Even... I was always thinking about this. You were saying something about how kids are not being thought about, you know, the dangers of the internet in school. And I'm always wondering, like, what are kids being taught in school these days? Because I remember growing up, right, I knew I wanted to be in tech. I just knew it from the get-go. But mm -hmm. what I was learning, it just didn't feel like it was correlating what I wanted to do. And mm -hmm. so I was just kind of going through the motions until I got to university where I actually got to do my course. But yeah. I'm always wondering, like, are kids being taught like what they need to do now? Because I feel like nowadays kids are not, or maybe, mm -hmm. I'm not, maybe, maybe I don't know, but I just feel like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, it just depends on the school, right? It depends on mm -hmm. the school, the curriculum. And these are things that you have to look out for when you're choosing the school that you want your kid to go to, go to, right? So if they're, um, if they're basically, on par with the trends, right? So, I mean, be, realistically, your kid should be learning how to code at this point. It's not, there's so many resources online. So even if the school sure. isn't offering it, and I feel like this is a thing. Some parents will 
like pick a school for their kid and expect their, the school to teach their kid everything that they need to know. But then yeah. there has to be like, you have to budget it at home and allow them to access these resources online. There's so many resources online. There's coding schools online for kids. And so it's also about like identifying what your kids are interested in. I wasn't interested in anything IT tech and I know you can testify to how clueless I can be sometimes, <laughs> but um, if you notice that you have a kid that's, tech savvy and just interested in coding and like robotics and stuff like that. And the school isn't providing that for them. There's so many resources online. Yeah. There's, I love um, the Dex science, te- uh, science set. Like that's by a, yeah. a Ghanaian entrepreneur and, and it helps kids develop these robotic skills and how to put things together and all of that. So it's really about just taking the time to find what's, um, what your child needs. Um, find a school that like also just, um, meets the needs of your child as well because you might have like an arts uh, creative child and my son is a creative child he's actually a hybrid between a creative and a tech savvy child he enjoys coding but then he also enjoys painting doing things with his hands like writing all of those things so it's like balancing those two skills because i want him to be able to hone what is most natural to him what he enjoys but i also understand that just because he enjoys it now he's not gonna he might not enjoy it two years down the line so, but he, he won't even really know that until he experiences it and explores, right? Yeah, true. I think I was the same way growing up. I was into arts and into tech, but I, I think I'm still trying to like decide where I want to go as far as do I still want to go into arts or do I still want to go into tech? But why do you have to choose one or the other? Um, I think it's just the amount of time and resources. Mm-hmm. Because, um, let me see, because if, even though I'm into tech, I, I still love arts. Is that your niece or nephew? That is my niece saying that she can't open the door. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. How is that going for you? Oh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Oh yeah, she, she just turned three and it's, it's been like a nightmare because there's a lot of the, the schools are the schools are like closed down, so mm-hmm. she's stuck in the house with me. <laughs> so it's so interesting. I mean, it's it's so funny because every time she's like, she can be a nightmare sometimes, but sometimes she can be so adorable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always ups and downs with kids, right? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. I always say that you know they're they're different stages of the nightmare. So for every stage that a kid is in, there's another level of nightmare that they're going to provide you or put you through. So like my friends are just having kids now and some of them will be like, oh my God, I haven't slept. This kid will not let me sleep. I'm like, you're not going to sleep for 18 years. It's just going to be different levels of sleep. So yeah. right now you might be up all through the night, but then when, you're, when your child is like 16, 17, 18, you'll be up through the night wondering where they are or what they're doing, or they're going to be stressing you with their school or something. It's just like different levels to it. You just have to kind of adapt to it. Oh, wow. See, this is why I'm always saying, maybe I should just adopt a kid instead when they're like seven years <laughs> old and just skip the, like, the child part when they're a baby. But that's just one part, though. I know, I know. <laughs> that's I know. just one part. That's interesting. Do you think that you'll adopt going forward or are you, are you just okay with one kid? I have loved the idea of adoption for like however many years. Like I'm like obsessed with it. I feel like if I'm in the position where I can adopt, I will definitely adopt. I don't know. I'm so on the fence about having another kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like I just feel like I think maybe two, three years ago, I was thinking about like, I would want to have another kid, but then now I'm like, "Mm." and it's probably selfish reasons. Cause I feel like if I have another kid in the next five years, I want to be chilling when I'm like 45, 50, I don't want to be dealing with another teenager. So it's just like, do I really want to put myself through that? Um, But I mean, I'm just taking it like as life goes on, but adoption is definitely something I would be interested in. And I would probably, um, I think I would let God lead me to what age I would adopt. Like right now I'm, I'm thinking I would want to adopt a baby, but maybe I might meet like a five-year-old that wants to be adopted and that mm-hmm. me and that five, five-year-old form a bond. And I might, so I'm just, just kind of flexible about it. Hmm, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So as far as work, like, so we know that you do, um, you have a, 
customer customer management customer business? experience customer agency. experience business yeah yeah so what's like what's the long-term goal for you do you like are you going to go to a big business hire people like because yeah. I think the opportunities in Ghana as well because you said that there has been like lack of training all that and there's like really up lots of opportunities but do you, yeah. you want to grow like do you think long term you might be in Ghana to even do this business or you might just close shop and move out sometime yeah that question has come up a few times I mean I'm building this business basically on three three separate ideas or I guess pillars right so I want it to be I want customer experience to be accessible you know customer experience development to be accessible to any business irrespective of how big it is because i think it's really just knowledge that every business needs irrespective of how big it is right so i that's why with the webinars and stuff that i've been doing the price point is really as low as i could possibly have it so that mm -hmm. if you're setting up a business and it's on instagram and you need that knowledge you need those resources you can still have access to it and grow your business and the next thing is i want it to be transformative so rather than just like i said people have a customer service training and they expect it to transform their businesses businesses need to understand that it's almost like a relationship that you're going into with whoever is offering you that knowledge. You're supposed to develop the, the, the skills, customer service skills and the customer experience over time. And it eventually transforms your business. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, Finally, it has to be holistic because every business is different yeah. and you can't really have a bandage bandage solution for every business. You know, it's not a cookie cutter solution to um, issues that you're having with having within your business when it comes to customers. So those three elements are what I'm really trying to grow my business around. And ultimately, I just want it to be a one stop platform where businesses can go to irrespective of how big or small they are and be able to access that information that knowledge for their business um however however that expands um right now i'm thinking about like a um an online educational platform but um mm -hmm. obviously that might change because you know you have to pivot according to the market needs yeah. um and right now I'm kind of really just watching to see how businesses are responding to the lockdown and whether they're actually going digital and um, also talking to my clients about whether they would prefer online trainings or in-person trainings. Generally, the, the consensus is still in-person trainings, but I think it also takes time to really get people to see the value and the benefit of having online trainings because they can it's a training that they can watch over and over again and in-person training can't be done over and over again like exactly the way that it was done the first time you know what i mean yeah. um so it's really communicating that value to them um and even with that it's going to take time um so yeah that's the direction i'm going in definitely not just for ghana because i have clients outside of ghana um, but, um, and I think the majority of the pain points that business owners deal with is not isolated to Ghana. Like, I think there's restaurants in Nigeria that also have issues with their waiters providing consistent good mm -hmm. service. True. And then there's retail shops in Uganda that might have no change in the beginning of the morning, at the start of the morning or business day. So like there are common commonalities between the pain points for business owners. Um, it's just really addressing those pain points and making the resources available um, not limited geographically. So they can be applied and replicated in other countries across the continent. Yeah, that makes total sense. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm really hoping that this lockdown, even though it's not as efficient, might actually help with like people going digital and really focusing on the digital aspects. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always saying that, and I'm always confused because people do really like cash. And I'm like, can we stop going with cash and just use like online payments? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is helping. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's almost like you have to scare people to make it work. <laughs> exactly. We had to have a whole pandemic before. People... Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. nuts. It's nuts. But I'm, I'm just hoping it works out in the end and people go more digital. Because mm -hmm. I mean, long-term holds everybody. Because I'm always saying that how do people do everything so manually here? Like as far as payment, mm -hmm. literally counting money and mm -hmm. writing in the, the physical book. And I'm like, you know, how do you account for everything? What if there's a fire and everything burns down. You lost everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I always get scared of when it comes to like the government bodies, like the ministries and stuff like that. Everything is so paperwork based, yeah. you know, like imagine there is a fire and we've seen that happen like recently in freaking Lagos, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, 
what happens then? And it's, it's crazy to me that we haven't, I mean, I see the meager um, attempts to go digital by some of the ministries because you go on their websites and you're like, what is this? Mm-hmm. But um, we definitely have to go digital. Like it doesn't make sense that we're still going into like ministry, what is the ministry or what the registrar's office or whatever um, yeah. to go and like register our businesses and you have to stand in lines. And I remember when I had to register, I had to go to like three different places to get different forms and whatever. And it was just like, what is this? I know. Yeah. I'm I'm always complaining because I don't understand because I'm wasting my time driving to town, sitting in traffic to go and get a paper form just Mm. to fill out and then not to go give it back. It's like ridiculous. I mean, I have like so many nightmare stories, but that's another story because (laughs) it is ridiculous. Okay, let's just end up on this. Um, So I want to ask a question. Um, So long term, do you think that or what is your opinion about marriage like do you think like maybe long term you might get married or <laughs> maybe you're fine now because i mean it, the dynamics are changing right people are not really yeah. as marriage focused today i think mm. I don't know uh, you don't think so <laughs> i don't know I, well if you talk to young people people are like yeah marriage i'm not sure but i don't know this is how young <laughs> uh, early 20s maybe yeah of course like who was thinking about marriage at that point i wasn't but um I mean, marriage, I have like, maybe it's like a different kind of perspective on it. Um, I think, personally, I, I don't think marriage is for everyone. Yeah. I think I've seen more married people cheat in their relationships or like step out of their relationships. And I've seen couples be faithful to each other, especially since I've been in Ghana. And so that's kind of made me question a lot. But mm. ultimately, my perception or my view irrespective of what kind of relationship it is is that i would want a life partner so whether it's in a marriage or in like a communal partnership or something a common law partnership um i like it would have to fit within both our like lifestyles our values and our morals but i would want a life partner but for me it's just like constantly trying to get as much knowledge as possible because i do really believe that people have different expectations from each other and have different perceptions of what marriage is and what being in a marriage is. So it's really just about educating yourself and finding out what works for you and what works for me might not work for everyone, but finding a partner that has the similar values um, and beliefs goes a long way. Um, I've, I've talked to people that like, I know I've talked to a lot of guys. I've said that if, if they didn't, if they had a kid, they would never get married. Um, and then I've also, yeah, and I talked to women as well that say that, like, if they had a kid, they would never get married. Almost as if, well, I mean, our culture says that you have to be married to have kids, but like a lot of people voice that. Like, if I mistakenly had a kid by now, I would never even think about getting married. And for me, that's like kind of sad, you know, like to yeah. hear something like that. Um, just because I've experienced what it is to have a kid outside of marriage and it's not easy. Um, but then it's also just thinking like that the associates, child like having a child with being married and it, it really shouldn't be that it should be about being married to someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with that you can see yourself with for the rest of your life forget about the kids because the kids are going to come and go you know what that's, i mean that's true um so yeah that's just my my view my view is you know it, it's not a cookie cutter thing like you have to find out what works for you and what's going to work for you long term and it might not be marriage i've talked to someone that is into polyamory and he just feels like he's not he's not really he can't see himself with one person and he yeah. feels like he wants to be able to love different people in different ways. So mm-hmm. he's exploring that Avenue for himself. And honestly, like I'm proud of him because in this environment, it's like hard to have someone open up and say that very openly. Like, you know, uh, like it's not for me. True. That's, so, that's very yeah. true. People don't like opening up and talking about stuff like that is away from the norm in Ghana. What is that? Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, as far as like marriage and stuff, I'm always like gathering more stuff. Like I'm always watching these YouTube videos where people have, they ask them personal questions and they just Mm -hmm. keep their mind. And it's always fascinating, especially with like you said, polyamory. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Or people like to do like this open relationship thing. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's, it seems odd, but it works for them. And I'm like, "Hmm, yeah, that's so fascinating. Yeah, I mean, everyone is different. Like, I don't feel like you have to adhere to like, Exactly. certain like milestones in life like okay i went to university i got my mba like i started my business now it's time for me to get married and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're married and you don't want to be married anymore like you're wondering why you're even there 
Um, exactly. And yeah, and I just don't think I think everyone needs to understand that they're they're running their own race. Like things are gonna happen at different times for different people. Like I have a friend that's almost forty that just got married, and she never even thought she would get married. So wow. it's um, and the the wonderful thing is like her partner and her are like made for each other. Like it's crazy how perfect they are for each other. Um, so it's really just about really taking that time to know yourself, know what you want in life, know what makes you happy and being happy by yourself first, because no one's Mm going to come and complete anything for you. No husband, no wife is going to come and make you a complete person. You have to be complete by yourself. Spend time with yourself. Take yourself on dates. I believe all of that. It sounds cheesy, but literally take your time to really get get to know yourself inside out, or you're going to be questioning who you are in your marriage. That's true. I, I actually believe in do taking care of yourself and knowing yourself more because I think that during this past few, past couple of years, since I'm being by myself, I'm like, oh, I actually like this and that. I don't like this and that. I've noticed that, oh, I have some certain preferences that maybe others might not like, and that's fine because mm-hmm. that's what I like. So it's, I think you're totally right about that. I don't think it's yeah. too easy. I just think it's, everybody's different. Like you said, everybody's different. So yeah, getting to know yourself is really cool. But yeah, yeah, at least, but at least you telling me that your friend got married at forty and then she's happy with her partner makes me have hope, I guess. <laughs> People get married like way later. It's just like we don't hear about it enough, you know. True. Um, and then I mean, the one thing she told me was that you know, she spent so much time by herself, like really figuring out who she was. So by the time that she was getting married, it wasn't there wasn't anything about the marriage that was going to change her or change them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like she was already very sure and secure in who she was that like nothing, it wasn't, it was almost just like, I wouldn't say it was a formality, but it wasn't like the most important thing about who they were as a couple, you know, like they were still acting the same way after they got married, you know, like nothing really changed for them once they got married, you know? So, and she said that she attributes that to like the amount of time that she had to really get to know herself. Like she had done everything, done things that she wanted in her career and she had spent so much time by herself, like just traveling by herself, all sorts of things. So by the time that he came into her life, it wasn't really to complete it. It was to complement it. And she's like, you always have to be careful about whether you're wanting someone in your life to complete you or to complement you. And whoever you choose to be in your life should be really like adding to like, it should be like 100% adding 10%, 50%, 50, like to make it like 150%. It should never be... 80%, 60%, and they're adding yeah. it to make it 100%. So yeah. she's just like, always be careful and be conscious of that. Yeah, I, I think that's totally right. Because you don't want somebody coming in, they just start twisting your mind to the point where you start doubting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's just not healthy at all. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, at least that's how, that helps my confidence to know that, hey, maybe down the line I might get married. We'll see. I mm-hmm. don't know. You never know. <laughs> Do you want to get married? Um... Sometimes I think yes, but it's not like in the traditional like wedding sense. Like, mm. like you said, if I just like find a partner, a life partner, we just sign up some documents saying that we're married mm. and it works out. That's fine with me too, because I don't think, I don't see the point in like making it so grand that, oh, we're getting married, blah, blah, blah. But it's like finding a life partner. I think that works. Mm-hmm. And if we don't get married, like we don't get married, married, finding a way to just make it official will be, will be fine to me. I think that, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you, do you think, do you think there's any timeline for when you should go from relationship to marriage or just like, it doesn't matter? I don't think it matters. I think (laughs) it's between the two people. Like I'm sure there's people that got married like three months after they met each other and like, it's working perfectly fine. And I think I've even seen tweets about that. Like people that are just like, you know, I got married three months after I met, if it clicks and it makes sense, do it. Like, I don't think anyone should. The only thing that I feel that kind of, I would want to do <laughs> before getting married is I would want to live with the person. You know, yeah, I, exactly. I think over here, like our, our culture just kind of frowns on cohabitation before marriage, but I, it's such a big deal when you're living with someone because that's 24 hours with them. That's when you really find out who that person is and you should at least experience that before you get married. I totally agree. I, I totally, totally agree with that. Cause I know when I was with my ex, we actually lived together in an apartment. We really found out how we were with each other. Yeah. I mean, it's so important. It is very important. You get to know people, how people behave when they're in a yeah. environment with you. So I think it's very important. But yeah, 
like you said, the hidden Ghana, we don't really, we don't really like jump on cohabitation as much. You're totally right. Yeah. Because one day you yeah. get married to somebody and realize this person doesn't like just leaves the sink dirty, never, never cleans. And you're like, who is this person? Yeah. I mean, it's, I just think it's really important. And maybe it's because times have changed. and I don't know. I, cause I don't think our parents did cohabitate as much, no. but I just, I think now it's just so easy to like hide certain parts of who you are. You know, like, I think people are just like, there's so much, people are so superficial, you know, like they're yeah. all trying to present themselves as something that they're not. And so there's only so long that you can do that. And unfortunately, some people have to find out who these people are, like who they really are after they get yeah. married. But why wouldn't you want to give yourself a chance to really find out how they are by being around them 24 seven? And I mean, like I was in a long term relationship and we lived together and he could tell if I was upset by the way I got out of bed. Yeah, That's you can. How yeah, you can definitely close see that. Got, you true. know, so why, like, why? Yeah, I just, I feel like you should, you should. I mean, maybe someone's gonna say this is bad advice, but it's, no, it's not I bad. think it's important. <laughs> I don't think it's bad advice. I think it's great advice. I think people should try it. See if you really, really think you're really gonna commit to somebody. Live together. See how well you can live together. If it doesn't work out, then maybe it's an indication that maybe marriage might not work out. Yeah. But you know, the funny thing is, this is why I always say that, you know, there's no cookie cutter way to do it, right? Because I've yeah. also seen couples like growing up that lived in the same, well, in different houses and different compounds or in the same house, but in different rooms. And that mm. works for their marriage. So I just think we also have to like think outside of the box when it comes to our long-term relationships and what's going to work for us and what's not going to work for us. Cause sometimes people just want their space. They don't like other people in their space. They don't want other people touching their stuff. You know, mm -hmm. they just want to be able to like just be by themselves and they're married and they can't do that and they get frustrated. So I just think we benefit from learning as much as possible from other people and other things rather than having it being dictated to us. Yeah, because I remember, I remember actually I was watching a documentary about what you're saying about people having their own space, and there was a mm -hmm. couple that they were, they were married, but in the house they had two separate bedrooms, and sometimes they sleep in those separate bedrooms. They weren't mm -hmm. mad or anything; like they just wanted their space. Like they had one central bedroom, but they had separate bedrooms, so they went to sleep whenever they wanted. Mm -hmm. And I thought yeah. that, that was cool. Like it's good that the people can actually acknowledge that. Hey, I don't want you in my space. So I'm going to be by myself today. Yeah. I even saw some people who had two houses. So one time, yeah, wow. I know it's just odd, but you know, it works for them. So it's like, why not? I think I actually heard about that recently. Like someone was talking to me about how the mom and dad had different houses. And I was just like, wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. No, I don't know if I would want that though. Yeah. Not like a separate house. I mean, separate rooms is fine, but separate houses. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> I've seen separate houses before, but it was in the same compound. So it's literally yeah. like three meters walk to the next house. Yeah, that makes more sense. At least if you're yeah. in the same environment, that makes way more sense. But you have two separate houses in different areas. That's weird. Mm. It's like divorce. <laughs> but anyway, I think this is a long conversation. I think we won like an hour. <laughs> yeah, just over an hour. Yeah. But this has actually been a really good conversation, actually. I've enjoyed it. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, you're welcome. I think we could have talked about way more stuff, but not <laughs> to go along. I think this is a good, we can do a part two maybe down the line and see. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I uh, will catch you up later. We'll just discuss All more. Right. Talk soon. All right. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Bye.